politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, and property. This is the Super Bowl week where a lot of that will be determined, believe it or not, on this Monday, the 26th of February. Daniel Horowitz, your show host back here today for CR Podcast. And my voice is still kind of weak from this cold I can't kick, but... My resolve is not weak, and I hope yours is not as well, because this is it. You know, we're we're constantly presented with false choices, as if it has to be this way. It's like, yeah, we don't have enough power, um, we didn't win enough elections, we don't have enough Republicans, but I want to paint a vivid picture before you this week on how you will see what could be, what ought to be, but what likely will not happen by the end of this week. This is truly our Ezekiel 2230 moment to build the wall and stand in the breach. And frankly, Mitta Trump should be leading that, um, but we don't hear much from him. It's it's truly unbelievable. We, we've we've set this up for a while. The first tranche of government funding for you know transportation, HUD, energy, water. Uh, Milcon, VA, and one other, agriculture is the fourth. Four of the 12 appropriation bills run out Friday night, the end of the week. And we've been building this. We said you will never have an issue that is more vivid in the eyes of the people that they understand that the current president is being malfeasant, invading the country, You will never have a weaker president against whom to fight such a shutdown battle. And you will never have more of a critical time to do that. There have been two conceptions, two visions within the right, whether they explain it this way or not, but it's true in the last couple months, really the last year. One view is just wait for Mitt Trump. He's going to crush it in the election. And then after he wins, he's going to be amazing. And so, you know, let's not do anything. Now, they might complain about the border. They might talk about some of the same issues we do, but they are not showing a sense of urgency to harness the news stories, not just for a talking point meme against your favorite liberal media figure, but to actually channel it towards a specific outcome to use the power and influence we already have, whether it's in the United States House with a budget bill, whether it's with the state legislatures, whether it's with primaries to use it now to affect outcomes because they don't, they don't feel we need to. And as I've noted, even if we had a slam dunk situation where A, you would get the Republican elected and, and B, he would be amazing, we still can't afford to wait and put all of our eggs into that basket. And frankly, you have a better chance while Democrats are owning the levers of power, albeit extremely unpopular with Biden and his approval in the 30s and Democrats losing on the issues, you never have a better time than now. But on the other hand, we don't have a slam dunk. A, it's not clear he will win at all. In fact, I still believe it's clear the other side's ahead and these polls are wrong. And I think some of the South Carolina results actually show that we are not winning back the suburbs. And B, 
even if he would win, I mean, there's a lot of problems there. Even if you're a big supporter, you have to admit there's a lot of shortcomings there. But I believe even if you had DeSantis times 10 winning as president, we would still have to fight right now. But then, as I've been noting the last couple of weeks, if you are actually focusing on the right issues and the right strategies and, and the right leverage points to affect them, God will give you current events to harness as rallying cries to push that. And obviously, sometimes they're tragedies and we don't want them to happen, but when they do, you have an obligation to use them. The murder of Lake and Riley needs to be our George Floyd. And not just to mention her name and the story behind the illegal alien who allegedly brutally bludgeoned her to death at the UGA campus in Athens, Georgia, but also the timing is unreal. You will never get a better opportunity. The government funding comes out, you know, uh, runs out this week, and then the remainder of government the next week. We've already been building up to this in the eyes of the public. They're very well aware of this issue. It's not like you have to reinvent the wheel. Hey, you know there's a border invasion going on. There's nothing like, you know, sending a daughter off to college and then, you know, you wake up one day and she's murdered at the hands of a foreign invader that recently came in. But moreover, that it's reflective this is what Republicans would do rather than coming back to session in Wednesday, just hours before the deadline, come back, come back right now and message the fact that this alleged murderer, this guy that came in just September 2022, Jose Antonio Ibarra from Venezuela, are reflective of thousands upon thousands of ticking time bombs in every corner of this country. And harness it to push not just to shut down the border invasion, but to empower states to deport. And that needs to be the thing. Making Lake and Riley and her murder the rallying cry, our George Floyd, for shutting down the border in a government shutdown fight. And number two, state deportations. You will never get a better issue. You'll never get better timing. You'll never get better messaging. So we will find out at the end of this week if we have a modicum of a political movement in place. Because if we did, just the influence that they wield over Republican governors and Speaker Johnson should be enough to push that over the top. And again, Trump should be leading that. And it will be very telling to see what he says and doesn't say. Now, honestly, I'd rather he not be part of our messaging because when you whenever you have issues independent of his personality we actually win on them but if trump declines to join our fight it won't be because he you know altruistically felt <laughs> that somehow he would taint it no it would be because he doesn't believe it and thinks oh i don't want to have a messy fight leading up to my election just just wait 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 for my my election and that's not going to cut it that is not going to cut it this budget fight with the expiring deadlines march 1st and march 8th it's the final exit off the highway to hell if we could even salvage anything so i want to go over today 
what the murder of Lakin Riley um, represents, what the alleged murderer Jose Antonio Ibarra represents, and how Republicans need to demonstrate how this is pervasive. Because I have said for many years covering this issue, I said that if people would actually know how many of these tragic, brutal murders, brutal you know, deaths at the hands of drunk drivers are committed by illegal aliens that recently came into the country, it would spawn a revolution. Meaning, I was focusing on that when we didn't have such a gush flow at the border itself, so it was kind of a stagnant issue, and I said, look, you don't realize these people in the country, and we need to focus on interior enforcement. So equal with you know, Republicans passing a bill to attach HR2 to whatever budget they pass, they need to also explicitly make it clear that courts do not, not have jurisdiction to review any state enforcement action, and that includes repatriation itself. And in a sane country... In a sane party and movement, we would have every Republican governor hold a press conference. Not just, oh, we join with Greg Abbott. No, no, that was meaningless, as we well saw. That it is clear that the invasion is in every state. What comes to the border doesn't stay there. And even if they go to New York City, they'll go to a place like Athens, Georgia. Like we see this guy went to New York City and then wound up there. Okay? So... This, they would gather together and say, we are going to pool resources and pool our respective national guards together, state guards, to go and remove illegal aliens. And they would have the support for it. You know, we had Molly Tibbetts, we had Kate Steinle, we had... um. Elizabeth Medina, there are a whole bunch of them, these young women brutally beaten, similar stories, especially in the case of Molly Tibbetts jogging and then you know disappears because someone attacked her who was here illegally. Those should have been our George Floyd moments. Now we have a George Floyd moment. Will we actually harness it? Not just, oh, look at the hypocrisy of the media and they're you know, trying to um, black out the immigration history of the guy. Yeah, we know that. But not just point out, oh, look look at the media. This is what GOP governors should be doing. And, and literally the exact moment you couldn't, again, this is a tragic um, murder, but once it happened, the timing with the budget bill is perfect. Will we actually push, press our advantage now? You will never get a better issue, a better rallying cry, better messaging, better leverage and timing than we have right now. Now, first, our sponsor today is TryMiracle.com, Miracle-Made Bedsheets. You know, one thing I hate, I'm in a bad mood if I wake up hot, you know, and then that's a big problem this time of year because you go to sleep, you're all cold, and then you wake up, you, you overheat yourself. These sheets are truly a miracle. They have temperature-modulating technology in them. It's not like you feel anything different, um, but it's in the silver-infused fibers, and you will wake up not overheated in the winter. It's unbelievable. 
It really, really is. And, and in the summer, um, it, it cools you off, but gives you that, that, that coverage. Also, the other thing about it is it's self-cleaning. We, we clean it like, I don't know, maybe 30% of, of what we used to clean. <laughs> Just did a wash with it. But that's because the silver prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. And you get the same luxurious feel and quality without the luxurious prices. So if you go to trymiracle.com slash conservative today, you will get a gift for yourself or for anyone else that you save 40% off. And if you use promo code conservative, so it's both in the URL, trymiracle.com slash conservative, promo code conservative at checkout, you'll get three free towels with the same technology and then save an extra 20% off your entire cart. Also, they're so confident that you'll like it that you will see what I see with the temperature modulation uh, is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't like it, 100% money-back guarantee refund. Again, upgrade your sleep today by going to trymiracle.com slash conservative and use promo code conservative to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off at trymiracle.com slash conservative. So it will take a miracle to actually get this movement together. But I, I want to go through what the messaging of the party should be. So obviously, this case checks all the boxes. Okay, all the boxes. Uh, the guy who is the suspect, uh, again, this Ibarra guy, 26-year-old Venezuelan national, came in illegally, was uh, September 2022 in El Paso, was paroled illegally by Biden. So the murder of this girl's, her blood is on this guy's hands. Republicans need to hold a press conference. Johnson needs to hold a press conference. They should actually call their budget bill. So fund the budget. So again, th- there's two tranches. So so work on this tranche, agriculture, you know, transportation, HUD, whatever. By the way, it's unbelievable. Republicans would be scared to fight on this because the stupid HUD department shuts down. Ridiculous. But anyway, um, this guy was illegally paroled by Biden or his DHS lands up in New York, and then somehow he's arrested twice for reckless driving and things like that, and he was released. So you have Sanctuary Nation and then Sanctuary City from New York built on top of each other. And then somehow he lands in Athens, kills this woman. By the way, one of the points I made this many times and I've quoted from our founders, the reason why sovereignty was given over to the feds was not to abrogate state control to be even tougher, but was to ensure you had a national standard where states couldn't be more lenient. And Scalia talked about this in U.S. v. Arizona. And this is exactly why, because once you're in the U.S., you can go anywhere. So, you know, New York had their sanctuary policies. They let this guy go. He winds up in Athens, Georgia, and boom, um, he is, you know, he's arrested for killing her. So there are three times that this could have been avoided. And, and this needs to be the messaging of Republicans, that we have enough of our own crime. But when you import from other countries, A, you violate the entire purpose of funding a federal government to protect the national sovereignty. But B, let's say you catch the guy. Every subsequent crime 
is avoidable. And that is a breakdown of government. You see, obviously, even though even people like me want to get tougher on drunk driving, things like that, you're not going to lock the guy up forever. Eventually, he will get out. But every crime committed by an illegal, driving without a license, however, you know, shoplifting, whatever it is, the guy should be gone after the first time. So any subsequent murder at the hands of that person is an avoidable crime. This needs to be the message. Again, we're not fighting about taking away Head Start, you know, the Gingrich era, cutting welfare. I mean, that is a problem. But this is a 90-10-100%. I mean, nothing's 100 because we have a crazy country. But you get my point. This is an easy, easy issue. The Lakin-Riley budget bill. That's what we need. That's what we need. And by the way, this guy had a brother, Diego, older brother, who was working at the University of Georgia. Turns out he came in actually later. He came in, I think, a year later at the border. He was arrested three times between September and December 2023 in Athens, Georgia, but was released. Different things like uh, shoplifting and, and whatever else. So, a couple things here. We're making fun out of New York City, but this happened in Georgia as well with the brother. The crimes were committed. The priors were committed there. Now he's arrested for green card fraud. But I have a question for you. I understand he had a fraudulent green card, but I thought Georgia has mandatory E-Verify. And this is a state institution. How was he employed there? Again, the reason is because even in the red states, it's a complete joke. They don't enforce it. I've said this many times. So the, the, the guy who actually likely committed the murder is a suspect. Um, by the way, it seems like he, he did it you know, with blunt force trauma because we, we import the, the MS-13 culture. This is not MS-13. He's probably a, uh, what's that gang called? The Venezuelan prison gang. So, um, the trend something, whatever that stupid thing is. So, we're importing that brutality. Now, the brother was, avo- uh, you know, th- that was, I don't think he was arrested in Georgia any time before. Um, no, this guy, but the brother was. So, again, I don't want to hear, you know, Brian Kemp is going to hold some sort of press conference today. The governors need to cut off all the magnets, cut off all welfare, cut off all jobs, and actually enforce it, and start with deportations. Anything else is just, oh, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. It's easy to point the finger at him, and they're certainly correct, but it's not like he's going to listen. So what are you going to do about it? And the answer is the budget fight and state enforcement. Budget is national, state enforcement. Do it concurrent. Do it concurrent. And the message that needs to be given over is that this is not a one-off, but this is a pervasive problem of Americans being killed, but the media and the feds all often obfuscate and cover up the immigration history of a lot of these perpetrators. I want to give you a sense of this. We've always had this problem. I'm going to give you data from before the Biden Invasion, But just know that this iteration 
is not just quant- the quantity is much more. You know, we're talking about the numbers that 7.2 million apprehensions just since Biden took office, but qualitatively, this is the worst wave we've had. You know, it used to be they're just like kind of low scale people, very desperate, desperate people commit a lot of crimes. These, the ones coming over are saturated with downright just gang members, punks, awful people. According to CWB Chicago, as of the end of November of last year, Chicago police arrested nearly 700 Venezuelan nationals up from just 26 the prior year. The Venezuelans are particularly problematic because Maduro is letting out his prisons and sending them here. And look, I can't blame him. Biden invites them, so he's like, all right, go take them. Take them off my hands. That is the message Republicans need to send, that we have the worst foreign national gangs that are being released into every corner. And, you know, this is not just a Chicago, New York City problem because they eventually go everywhere. And that's why the red states can't just point the finger at New York City or or the feds. They can do a lot in their own states. By the way, it's the Trendy Aragua gang. I, I don't know if this guy's officially a member, but it's it's that type. Just to understand, just so you know how many of these Venezuelans are here. And again, not to be mixed up with the earlier wave of legal Venezuelan immigrants that fled communism. These are the people from whom they fled. Kind of like with the Cubans. You know, the original wave were you know, Republican voters, whatever. And then recently we've gotten a bunch of problematic people from there. There have been roughly 335,000 Venezuelan nationals encountered at the border. We have no idea how many gotaways. In addition to the 470,000 already here that Biden illegally granted temporary protected status, you know, de facto amnesty. I mean, you're talking about probably a million Venezuelans, and yet only 834 were removed in fiscal year 2023. By the way, those numbers are just from one year. One year, not the cumulative total. And they've really been coming for like two and a half years. Could you understand? That needs to be vividly painted to the American people. Just 834, probably a million, have been removed. How many more ticking time bombs do we have? I want to give over to you a sense of... Because of, I, I, I gave you wrong numbers a couple of weeks ago. It's worse than I thought. I was, I was on the previous year. I was looking at FY 2022... I have the FY 2023 ICE enforcement report. I, I Again, I, I'm going to, because there's been this long debate where the libertarians want to say illegals commit fewer crimes. Now, first of all, every crime an illegal alien commits is unnecessary because they should be out. But I want to show you just how pervasive the crime is even before fully actualizing this particular Venezuelan and just West African punks coming in that are qualitatively worse than the previous waves. According to ICE, as of FY 2023, so last fiscal year, there were almost 6.2 million foreign nationals 
in ICE's undetained docket. This is important. What that means, ICE has about 38,000 in detention. Right? That, that's as much space as they have. There are 6.2 million in their undetained docket. Now, when you're on ICE's undetained docket, what does that mean? That means that you are targeted at least for investigation, if not removal. Now, we know that ICE, and especially this Biden's ICE, they will only look at people that are really a big threat. If you're if you're the average kind of, you know, just low-key, religiously oriented, nice, decent, 35-year-old housemaid that's here illegally, like you know, an illegal alien maid, you're not gonna be targeted for deportation. That that's just the way our ICE has worked, and certainly under Biden, where they view drunk driving as a low-level offense and they won't deport for that, you got to be really bad. So there's 6.2 million that are on their radar but remain indefinitely undetained in our streets. They're mainly illegals, but it does also, that number includes legal, people are here illegally, but they committed crimes, and so certainly they should be out of here. Just 37,000 of them are detained. That's insane. And again, these are just the ones on their radar. Especially under this administration, both with the you know lack of resources, you're talking about five, 6,000 ERO officers to, to uh, affect removals and repatriation. That's nothing. So there's a lot more than that. That is not the full. If you want to ask me, Daniel, what is the full universe of criminal aliens in this country? It's probably more than that. 6.2 million. It's going to be mainly criminal aliens. Probably about 80% of those would be criminal aliens. If you want to know just in general, just in general, in one year's net of how much criminality we see among those those illegals who are sucked up in one year's worth of enforcement operations of ICE. So I went back to the Trump administration because obviously Biden, you can't go by the numbers because they're barely um, apprehending. So, you know, you're not going to get a lot of numbers. But I looked at FY2020, which was the last year of Trump. Now, these numbers are actually down also because that was the year of COVID. So their numbers were down. They had among those caught just that year, and mind you, these numbers hold true every successive year, and actually they're lower in 2022. Among them were more than 1,800 homicide-related offenses. And most of them were convictions. Most of these numbers are like 70 to 80% are convictions. The rest are arrests. More than 1,800 homicide-related offenses. And again, that number was low. Most previous years, it was more like 2,100. And by the way, if you want to do the math, I've done it before. You you have to have a numerator and denominator within the year, and it's hard to get because not all the murders were committed that year. But but if if you add up the fact that it's every successive year, I found that it often ranges between 12 to 15% of all murders. If you look at the FBI 
statistics on murder and illegals, at least their numbers are, they're only 2.5%. Now they're likely more, um, but still it's, it's greater than their share. 1,600 kidnappings, 3,800 robberies, 37,000 assaults, and 10,000 sex crimes. In total, there are more than 30, 374,000 criminal convictions and pending charges among those that they netted up in that year's worth of enforcement apprehensions, you know, interior enforcement, it averaged four per alien. Again, this is just among those they found with very limited resources and with sanctuary cities shielding a number of them. I, I, I think I've seen before from Pew Research, six out of 10 illegals live in sanctuary cities, right? So under Trump, when the feds were enforcing it, but you had the sanctuary cities, you know, California, uh, I, 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 I published numbers on this during the Trump administration. Uh, apprehensions dropped in some parts of California by like 80% because of the sanctuary policies. So again, what I'm saying is you're not getting anywhere near the full universe of criminality among these people. Okay? And again, this was all before the 7.2 million invasion under Biden, qualitatively worse people. We were netting numbers like this. It is unbelievable. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. Now, we said the Constitution does allow states to block an invasion, but I'm saying even if it didn't, it could never compel a result where states need to – because this is the problem now. You catch people like Diego, but the feds won't take them. See, New York let them out independently of the feds, but the feds – it's run by Biden. ICE is totally compromised. They won't take them. So, so wait, so now we're stuck that a state is just stuck with these people? No, they need to announce that at least starting with people they arrest, if they commit a crime and they find out they're here illegally and they are going to check, they're out. Do you think we can't win a fight on that? Not only are you here illegally, let's say you're arrested for drunk driving or shoplifting or assault as an illegal. A state has the right to to remove. You will never get better tailwinds and certainly the uh, you know Lake and Riley's murder needs to be the rallying cry for that. If we had a movement, this is where it would be oriented. And then buttressing that certainly with the budget fight. And by the way, again, ju- just to I I just want you guys to I'm going to give you these are old numbers, but I'm going to give you from 2020, um, I mean, I got the numbers in 2020, but it, maybe it's fiscal year 2018. No, FY 2019. And, and this is when we had a good ICE director. So ICE did a press conference and they announced, this was like in January 2020, so they used FY 2019 figures. They announced, this was um, Albans, was the ICE director at the time. He announced that in one fiscal year, their New York Bureau field office. So that covers New York City, Long Island, and maybe two counties above the city, like Westchester area. That field office lodged 7,526 detainers. 
And his point was almost every single one was denied. You know, he was talking about sanctuary cities. But here's what he revealed. Criminals against whom these detainers were lodged accounted for 17,873 criminal convictions and another 6,500 criminal charges. It include... It included 200 homicides, over 500 robberies, over 1,000 sexual offenses, over 1,000 weapons offenses, over 3,500 assaults, and over 1,500 DUIs. And then his point was just 10 out of the 7,500 detainers were honored on all of those charges. I mean, we're not talking about – I mean, most of those were, were high level. So. I I took those numbers and I said to myself, wait a minute, 200 homicides among one year's worth of ICE enforcement or attempted enforcement that they wanted to apprehend. One year's net sweep of enforcement of the New York City office netted 200 homicides. So I took that number and I said, wait a minute. In 2018, which it, we only, it only overlaps four months with fiscal year 2019, but the numbers were pretty similar. There were 289 murders in New York City's five boroughs. And then I added up 69 murders in the nine other counties surrounding the city that fall under ICE's, the, the New York ICE field office jurisdiction. So you're comparing the same universe. Okay, so a total of 358 murders. Now, not every murder results in an arrest of a suspect. Clearance rates usually hover around 60-70% for murder in New York City. Okay, so they're easily under 300 homicide suspects every year in that area of operation. Okay, is is that accurate? You agree with me? Understand again. New York and its surrounding counties, total of 358 murders in 2018, and it was pretty stagnant until it took off, obviously, with the Floyd business, you know, murder skyrocketed in 2021. But for that period of time, let's just compare apples to apples, ICE's enforcement, their immigration numbers, immigration crime, to the broad universe. 358 total, but those are the total murders recorded. Suspects would be under 300, right? Because you're not clearing every murder. For ICE to have definitely, definitively identified aliens with 200 murder convictions or charges in just one year's worth of detainers is simply astonishing. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that illegal aliens commit two-thirds of all murders in New York area. But it does mean that it's inconceivable that they don't commit a greater percentage of murders than their share of the population. Now, to be clear, some of these individuals likely had a history of multiple murder arrests for previous years, not just for 2019. Also, an unknown number of the detainers are for legal immigrants completing sentences for murder and awaiting deportation after having been, you know, on the back end of their conviction. However, anyone in criminology would tell you that legal immigrants on average actually do commit less crime. 
because there's, there's a bunch of reasons for that because most of them the a they, they don't come to the country when they're 16 they come in their 30s 40s they come after the median age of criminal career several reasons why but but anyway um how many illegals are in the in that area of operation so the new york times and, and obviously the again i'm just i'm trying to give you a sense from back in the Trump era, this was before now. Now there's exponentially more illegals there. Who knows how many? But back then they said there are roughly 500,000 illegals in a city of 8.5 million, according to the New York Times. Now it's a lot more. But back then, that would have been roughly 6%. So again, for ICE to consistently tabulate this amount of crime and murder every year just among the population they've identified without any cooperation from local law enforcement demonstrates the degree of criminality being covered up by our government and the media is much more than we thought. Also, a number of the 1,500 detainers on those charged with DUIs result in vehicular homicide, just so you know. And they're not charged as murder. So it... Even the the 200 number doesn't fully account for how much murder aliens are responsible for in New York City's area in that given year because you have 1,500 detainers for DUI. A lot of them resulted in vehicular homicide, but they're not charged with it. Also, none of these factors even price in the people who who die as a result of drug trafficking, which is primarily driven by the illegals coming from the border. Over 1,400 people die every year over the past few years of drug overdoses in New York City. So while Albans didn't offer any data on the number of New York area detainers for drug trafficking nation, you know, in, in the city, but nationwide, usually we caught over 76,000 for drug charges in ICE's apprehensions. The sexual assaults among illegal aliens in New York is also that that that's also an interesting number. According to the NYPD, 42.4% of those arrested for rape and 48.3% of those arrested for other felony sex offenses in New York City in 2018 were Hispanic. I want you to think about that. Nearly half were Hispanic. According to the census, Hispanics composed about 29% of the overall population. Now, we don't have specific data on immigration status of those Hispanics. But what that tells you likely is that illegal immigration is the 800-pound gorilla in the room juicing up those numbers. These are astounding statistics that I've gathered over the years. Again, this was before the worst quantitative and qualitative wave we've ever had. This was during the Trump years. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. By the way, another way to quantify this, John Lott, you know, he's the famous uh, criminologist, but also gun rights advocate. You know, he was the famous More Guns, Less Crime. That was his book. So he runs the Crime Prevention Research Center. We've had him on before. He he published a paper in 2018 looking at the Arizona prison population. 
So he studied the Arizona state data from 1985 to 2017 to prove conclusively that illegal aliens do commit more crimes. He found that illegal immigrants in Arizona are at least 142% more likely to be convicted of a crime than other Arizonans. Um, and, and it's not just immigration charges or drug violations that we see at a federal level. Um, they're likely they're, they're more likely to be convicted of serious violent crimes, at least 163% more likely for first degree murder, 168% more likely for second degree murder, and 190% more likely for manslaughter. Also, lots data confirms what some of us see anecdotally every day. That illegals in Arizona are more likely to commit sexual offenses against minors, sexual assault, drunk driving, kidnapping, and armed robbery. He also looked at DACA. Oh, the dreamers, we were told, these are, these are better than you. They're more American than you are. Well, his research found that DACA age illegals compose 0.81% of Arizona's population, but represented 8% of the prison population. Okay, that age bracket. So this means that they compose 71.2% of the illegal immigrant population in prison, and that they're 884% more likely, (laughs) 884% more likely to be convicted of crimes than their share of the population. Right, because this was always the thing. Oh, the dream amnesty. I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean the dreamers, the the 20-year-olds? If anything, I'd rather give amnesty to a 70-year-old illegal than a 20-year-old. I mean, the the, the realm of criminality is going to be emanating from the younger ones, not the older ones. Um, Now... So 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 again, he just looked at Arizona because th- he was able to gather the prison data, on the conviction data. But he so so you you can't assume that illegal behavior will be uniform in every state. But it's not an unrealistic expectation to say it will be in the ballpark. So he said if you would extrapolate his findings in Arizona, so if they committed crimes nationally at the same level they do in Arizona, in 2016. They would have been responsible for over a thousand more murders, more murders, fifty-two hundred more rapes, eighty-nine hundred more robberies, and twenty-three thousand, twenty-five thousand three hundred aggravated assaults, twenty-six thousand nine hundred burglaries. Um, he found that legal immigrant criminals are forty-five percent more likely to have been gang members, which makes sense and that they're 133% more likely to receive sentencing enhancements for being classified as dangerous. And they tend to be released from prison at a younger age despite more serious crimes because they initially go to jail at a younger age. Okay? Now, it's important to to remember that lots data came from the Arizona Department of Corrections put together for the Arizona Prosecuting Attorney's Advisory Council, you know, because they're just trying to figure out different crime statistics. The report analyzed the entire universe of cases, about 615,000 convicted crimes, not a sample, and thus there are no issues of statistical significance. There's reason to believe illegals might commit an even 
more disproportionate share of crimes that go unreported, especially within their communities. Liberals always talk about that. So, this is unbelievable. Imagine if we had a unified movement. Again, don't just focus on the border. What the Lakin-Riley murder needs to demonstrate is that this is a threat in every community, and we have the data to show how ubiquitous their crime is. Now is the time, now is the moment. We have our marching orders. Do we have a movement that believes enough and is focused enough to actually see this through? Again, it's got to be a budget fight on this issue. It's got to be focused on interior enforcement as much as the border. It's got to be focused on empowering states to enforce. This checks all of the boxes. But here's my concern. My concern is that there's going to be too much focus on, ah, you know, let's not cause too much of a fight. You know, the election's only in seven months. Let's just let's just wait for Mitt the Trump. So we had a South Carolina election. Now, I know there's been a lot of debate about this online, that w- whether Trump's win was amazing and dominating or whether, no, the fact that he is not just an incumbent, but such a presumed nominee already that no one even knew there was a South Carolina primary. Was, I mean, it was basically, basically the Republican primary was on par with the Democrat one, meaning where you have an incumbent president, Joe Biden, there is no real primary. Um, there was no focus on it outside of South Carolina. No one even knew what was going on. That's how long done we are with the primary. And yet still, Nikki managed to get close to 40% one one or possibly two congressional districts and trump totally collapsed in the low country coastal suburbs now again does this show that nikki has any statement no it's a joke she never did it's only going to get worse for her when you move from your home state trump's going to crush every single state in the primary he'll win that's not the point but the point is, I want to be very careful here. I want, to, I want to be careful about what I'm saying, what I'm not saying. This inherently is not doom for him. But what it does demonstrate is that the polls, that the majority of the polls, like the Fox swing state polls that show Trump winning every critical state from 5 to 10 point margin, what that would demonstrate is an electorate where not only Trump has solved the seven-year bleeding of suburban voters, but he's taken them all back with interest. That cannot simultaneously be true with the weaknesses we're seeing in the actual elections. And again, it's true. A lot of Nikki's support comes from Democrat voters that crossed over because it was an open primary. I get all of that. I'm not so worried about the top-line number that Nikki got like 39% rather than 20 25%. It's also her her home state, although she's really disliked there. But it's the fact that 24% of GOP voters said they will not vote for him in the general. Now, again, that number will recede when you get the heat of R versus D, and and you are a more committed Republican. 
at the end of the day, the, the history has shown they'll come back. But you don't need to lose 24% of Republicans to have a disastrous elect, electorate. If you lose independence, it's a disaster. If you lose a few points more than the typical 5-6 that you bleed among your own party, let's say he loses 12-14, it's game over. All I'm saying is, whether it's the primaries, whether it's the exit polling, and the exit polling is a lot more real, live interviews of someone who just voted than these you know, broad political polls, the exit polling, the primaries, the general elections, special elections, off-year elections, they all continue to show a picture that is 180 degrees opposite of what the top-line numbers of the majority of the polls show right now. It doesn't make any sense. Now, there are a minority like Quinnipiac that shows you know Biden winning, and that is more in line with what we see. So this notion that you could somehow just rely on the fact that he's going to win is absurd. And then moreover, the notion that Trump has learned any lesson on focus, discipline, principles, personnel, and policy is absurd. Trump just spoke at some sort of black conservative federation, and he said his mugshot will help him with black voters. He praised Jared Kushner. But then he admitted that Jared is a liberal. He literally said that. He, he handed over to Jared the entire COVID response and really every policy, immigration, you name it, crime, of course. So they're still, they still think that because of the indictments, they're going to win black voters. I, I mean, what are you smoking? You're doing nothing to cultivate suburban voters. You continue to show weakness. You cannot deny that. But you're going to make it up by holding a rally in the Bronx? Again, it's not my job to get him elected. The people that forced him upon us, you got what you wanted. Now, now show how it's done. But then, it's just personnel-wise, he has shown he has not learned. I, I want, I want to play, play for you um, a little bit of his victory speech in South Carolina when he calls Lindsey Graham up on the stage. Take a listen here. Another man, not a lot of people know him. He doesn't do too much television. He happens to be a little bit uh, further left than some of the people on the stage. But I always say, when I'm in trouble on the left, I call up Lindsey Graham and he straightens it out so fast. And I'll tell you, no, 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 remember, Remember, I love him. He's a good man. Come up here, Lindsay. Come up here, Lindsay. Come here. Okay. All right, folks. You're listen to that. Yeah, Lindsay's a little bit left. He's whenever I have trouble with the left, the left. Why does he talk like that? He didn't do that in twelve and in twenty twenty and twenty sixteen. The L's. I don't, I don't know if that's a shtick or it's that he's vaccine injured. He sounds bizarre. 
But every time I have trouble with the left, I, I, so he knows his base doesn't like him. Now, look, if this was some, some, some cute, broke back relationship he had with Lindsay alone, I could, I could excuse that. But it's emblematic of so many people. He has not changed one iota. He's only gotten worse. You know, this stuff gets worse with age. So this is my point. We cannot afford to just say, okay, Daniel, let's just wait for the election. Trump will take care of it all. Again, even if you had a sure thing that the Republican wouldn't win and the Republican was 10 times better than Trump, I would still say we need to have the fight now. But certainly, it's just subconsciously, I could tell you my colleagues are just focused on this. And mind you, it's not like they're doing anything to get in more disciplined, both on messaging, strategy, and ground game to actually win this. And then if he would win, to make his win worthy of anything and and not make the same mistakes he made in his first term. But we got to stay focused. You will never have a weaker opponent. See, Biden could still win. He's not popular on the issues. We could win a political fight, but we have an electoral problem with ground game mail-in ballots and with suburban voters. Until we shed that image that my colleagues don't want to shed, well, you're going to be stuck with that. I'm sorry. But a budget fight where you have, why is the government shut down? So typically it's over... Oh, this one wants $1.72 trillion discretionary spending, and the Republicans and Democrats want that. And, and people don't, you know, like, well, what is that? Here, why is it shut down? Because Biden is working to invade our own country. Look at Lake and Riley. Look at, you know, every, all, and you want to talk about suburban voters to win them back, sending off a, do- a daughter to college, and how these places are now just saturated. With these elements. Crime. Illegal immigration crime. That's how you win. I I forgot where it was. I saw recently Republicans were going back again. They were doing what they did four years ago. Hitting Biden on being tough on crime. Back in the 70s and 80s. Like what? Really? You're, You're campaigning to the left of him? That's the point. Don't kick the can down the road. My fear is that they're going to allow Johnson to do another like three-week CR. Oh, just give us more time. We'll pass good bills. And again, if I knew that they would, they just need more time because of their stupid vacation, but they'll, they'll, they'll pass our bills out of the house and they'll stand by them and message them every day. I say, all right, you want more time to prepare for a messaging fight? I'd be fine with that. But I think we all know that's not the case. The case is that no matter how much of a winning issue this is, you could have a hundred public Lake and Rileys. And by the way, you do have them, but we just don't know about them because they're it, it's it's a rare circumstance there that we get to a situation where we get to expose a guy's immigration status. But this was the bloody shirt we were all waiting for for the border. You have it literally on the week of a budget deadline. You synergize the federal leverage you have with control of the House over the budget. Oh, Daniel, we don't control all branches. Okay, you can't pass uh, legislation, but a budget, you need all three branches. We won't pass your budget unless you pass our provision. And control of half the state governments. If every one of my colleagues would have this message, 
and they would get Trump to lead this fight, I guarantee you we would win it. We do justice. We do Micah 6-8 for this country. But will it happen? Unlikely. But I got to lay that marker down. This needs to be our George Floyd moment. Now is the time. This is the opportunity. But if you don't have a focused movement, God could give you a number of opportunities. Again, I don't want to talk about a murder as if it's an opportunity, but it, you know, it's in the rearview mirror. It happened. And it continues to happen like I'm showing you with vivid data. Look, if Republicans want me to come down and present, I'll give a PowerPoint on this. <laughs> Here's the data. Go and use it. Not just to own your liberal on, on Twitter. Oh, you know, I have a good statistic here, but to drive outcomes, state enforcement and federal budget shutdown fight over the invasion. If you can't do this, there is no purpose of having a movement. And I could promise you, even if Trump were to somehow win spectacularly in November, you wouldn't have the guts to do it. Because again, you wouldn't have 60 votes. You would have to own a government shutdown. Now is actually a better time to do it. So that's to get the week started off. We'll talk about some more issues as well. But this is the issue du jour of the week. Let me know your thoughts, questions, concerns. If you have anything to add, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you can, if you have not done so yet. Till tomorrow, Ezekiel 2230. And thank you for listening.